Good morning, folks. Glad to see everyone. Uh, a little rainy outside, just comfortable in here. Uh, we got some new folks with us. Welcome. We got some people watching in Facebook Live. Welcome to those folks. We're in a series called Family Matters, and we've been doing this for a couple weeks. And if you want to catch up, they're on our website or on Facebook. Today's topic is what if I married the wrong person? And this is very dear and near and dear to my heart because I've been there, lived through this. If uh, you haven't, that's fine. Uh, we're gonna, if you're not married, we have a spiritual principle we're going to talk about that is big in all relationships, not just marriage. But as I said, I'm going to be talking about marriage this morning. So a little bit about me, for some of you who don't know. Um, I'm from Glen Burnie. It's near Baltimore. So I call my, consider myself a city kid. Um, went to the University of Maryland. Then I went to North Carolina to seminary. I moved to this area that, after that, uh, met my wife, who is from Boonesboro, probably never been anywhere besides Boonesboro most of her life at that point. Uh, she graduated high school when I graduated seminary. And so she's from Boonesboro, I'm from Glen Burnie, she's an extrovert, I'm an introvert. Her parents were divorced, my dad died when I was 18. Uh, I've been to all this extra schooling she hadn't. And so we get married. We, as we talked about last week, we really felt God was uh, in the midst of that. Our families were behind us. We were compatible in those things we talked about last week. Served a church uh, in, the, in a local church for seven years. Then we went on the mission field to Portugal, served for seven years. Probably near the end of that time, I, I was getting depressed. I wasn't, de- I wasn't diagnosed, but I, I, looking back, I, I'm sure that was part of what our problem was. So... Uh, we're renting an apartment in Hagerstown. We're speaking all over the place. I was in Kentucky twice, speaking in churches for a whole week at a time. My wife's speaking in other churches. Anyway, we just drifted apart. Uh, there weren't other people involved. Uh, but one day, my wife was went, running around looking for a place to, to, to move out, to, to leave me with our four kids. We had four kids at this time. And so that was kind of a wake-up call to me. I, uh, she went left me for three days, went and lived with some relatives while I spent in prayer and fasting, and I said, you know, what, what do I do? And, uh, you know, the doubts begin as, as things start to go downhill, doubts begin to rise. Well, did I marry the right, right person or the wrong person? And then you sometimes get to the place where it's like panic, you know. You know I, I, I think I married the wrong person, but I got four kids, and I'm in the ministry, and I, I feel trapped. And so in that situation, you basically have three options. One is to get out. So I, I can't do this anymore. I know, you know, divorce and blended family and having your kids only half the time is, 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 is bad, but I just can't do this anymore. And some of you have been there, done that. I'm not in judgment seat this morning. I'm, I'm trying to address, address the future. The second option is just to hang in there, grit your teeth, and put up with it and be miserable which is a horrible way to live too. Nobody, that's not a good option for anybody. And the third option, the option that we chose was to figure out how to fix this. And so that's what I want to share with you this, uh, this morning. If you've been there, if you haven't been there, if you're married for any amount of time, you're going to get there, maybe not at the point where we were, but those thoughts are going to enter your mind. Marry, did I marry the wrong person? So here's where we're going to start. Why you may be thinking you married the wrong person? And I came with a couple. Um, first one would be this. Uh, what do we got? Um, 
you discover a hidden negative. You discover a hidden negative. Now, dating isn't a truth and advertising deal, is it? In fact, what we do is we try and hide our negative qualities from that other person, and the fact is it actually works, right? That person, you actually get that person to marry you without them really knowing you. I can still remember, my, I hid my bad temper from my wife. I think we got married the Friday before Thanksgiving, and I think it was Thanksgiving Day. We were playing some sporting event, and I lost my temper, and she's thinking, she's telling me that, she's thinking, five days into, six days into marriage, did I marry the wrong person? I didn't really know this person. And you don't really know that person, do you, that you marry? And so uh, we do a pretty good job of hiding, hiding some of those things, but then when you live together, you can't hide them only so long, right? And so you've discovered a hidden negative. The second thing is this. You know. <laughs> you know. But you overestimate your ability to cope. All right? I know he or she is a slob, but I, we can deal with that. I can, I can fix them, right? Or, you know, or, you know, she doesn't know how to handle money, but, you know, we'll get her, I'll get her on a budget or vice versa. Or, you know, he's, he's got a bad temper, but we'll work on that. Um, so we kind of tend to overlook and overestimate our ability to cope. But that wears on you, doesn't it? Those negative qualities just wear you down. And the third area is this. What you thought was a strength starts looking like a weakness. I said last week, you know, he's a strong, silent type. That was really attractive. Now you're married and he won't talk to you. And so that, 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 that's a weakness. You know. Well, he's, he's really frugal. He's really good with money. And then you get married and you think, he won't let me buy anything. I can't spend money on anything. So something that looks like a strength when you're dating often becomes a weakness. So what's the problem? Well, part of the problem, or a big part of the problem is this. Flawed thinking. Flawed thinking. We're going to spend some time on this. Uh, unhealthy thoughts make us miserable. Um, we can think all kinds of stuff, sometimes crazy things. And especially if you tend to be a possessive person, you know, oh, she cares so much about me. After we get married, she's just so possessive. She won't, you know, leave me, I can't, I can't have my space. So we're going to show you uh, really about unmet expectations, and we all have unrealistic expectations in marriage. So we're going to show you a video clip that kind of hopefully humorizes it. You, you got to get out. He don't deserve you. You can say that again. A real man's got to be a hero to his wife before he can be to anybody else. Or he ain't a real man. Catherine, do you need a place to stay? I can't imagine living in the same house with that man. No, I decided last night that I'm not the one that's leaving. He's the problem, not me. That's right, girl. Stand your ground. Make him respect you. If there's one thing a man understands... It's respect. That's the issue. That's the reason our marriage is failing. She shows me no respect at all. And the saddest part about it is... He doesn't have a clue. He thinks our marriage has been fine for the most part. Mm. You know, he probably thinks... Our marriage has been fine until this year. Now, all of a sudden, she goes off the deep end. Do you really think this happened all of a sudden? I don't know what to think. I don't understand her. She's emotional about everything. She's easily offended and way too sensitive. I mean, he's so insensitive. No, he doesn't truly care how I feel. He doesn't listen to me. Even if I say it over and over and over again. And then she starts nagging me and, and saying I don't listen to her or, or something like that. It drives me crazy. I feel like I'm going insane. You know, he doesn't understand my needs. I feel like we are completely and totally incompatible. She's probably whining to her friends, making me sound like a criminal. 
I can see him all right now, crying, having some sort of group hug. It's gonna be okay, sweetie. It's gonna be all right. You'll get through this. We have you. We have So you think it's past the point of no return? I don't have a reason to return. Okay, we laugh, but it's all too true, isn't it? So, uh, this comes from two experts, not from me, some, it's titled Flawed Thinking, and this can destroy your marriage. So first is either-or thinking. Either you lose 20 pounds, or you don't love me. Or either you stop spending, putting money, buying stuff with the credit card, or you don't love me. It's either-or thinking. Overgeneralizations. Well, you can't even balance a checkbook. How can I trust you with anything else? Well, maybe she's just not good with numbers, that, you know, or he's not good with numbers. You dismiss the positive. Well, sure, you go off to work and bring home money, but you can't even fix a, fix a leaky faucet. Real men know how to fix faucets or repair the car or whatever it might be. Um, since I'm a guy, I'm going to pick on the guys a little bit more than women because <laughs> that's just the way I am, all right? Mind reading. Mind reading. Well, of course you should have known that I wanted to do this or not do that or I wanted to go here or I wanted to go there. Uh, we expect our spouse to, to read our minds. Negative expectations. This is the idea, well, I asked you to watch the kids and all you did was watch the football game and the kids tore the house apart, so I can't ask you to watch the kids again because I know you won't watch them. So it's a negative expectation. Exaggerations, and when we counsel couples, we talk about this a lot. We often let these words enter our, our, our conversation, and you heard it some in the video clip. She never, he always. Well, if you stop and think and ask the question, did always or never? And the reality is ne it's never always or never. Uh, it just isn't, is it? And uh, we kind of joke about that, Deb and I, in our relationship now after 41 years. I used one of those words a week or so ago, and she stopped me, and we just laugh now. Because it's, it's just not true, is it? Nothing's always or nothing's ne never, so we exaggerate. Then there's emotional reasoning. And we tell couples feelings are real. They're not always justified. So I can all of a sudden feel like my wife doesn't love me. Uh, is that true? I, no, that's just what I'm feeling now. All right? So we can reason by emotions. We're going to talk about emotions a little bit more this morning. Uh, emotions aren't facts. And so we can build a case in our mind using these flawed thinking. Shoulds or must. You should have remembered this or uh, you must have understood. Uh, you should have remembered to stop at the store and pick up whatever it might be. Right? You should and you must. And this last one's horrible labeling. You're just a slob or you're just a, a, a cheapskate or you're just a bum or, or, or whatever it might be. All these things are things that enter our minds. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And uh, it's flawed thinking. It's exaggeration. It's unmet expectations. And so we build this case in our mind that, that is not true. So I wanted to try and remember what we talked about this morning, so I'm going to use this, this, this uh, quote, not quote, phrase, expression. Uh, like is an emotion, and emotions change, right? You know, my wife sometimes still tells me, I don't really like you too much today. <laughs> All right? Uh, does she stop loving me? Of course not. So love is a decision, and the decision shouldn't change. I, I did a wedding yesterday. It was pretty remarkable. It was outside at 
in Myersville. It didn't look good, <laughs> but it hadn't rained yet. Finished the ceremony at 4 o'clock. The wedding party's walking out, and it started raining. <laughs> so uh, the mom of the bride was praying that we would get through the ceremony without getting wet, and we did. But in a wedding ceremony, you have wedding vows, right? Vows are promises. These are a decision you made, and you're promising yourself to this other person. <clears throat> so, like is an emotion, up and down, love is a decision. So what do we need if we're thinking we married the wrong person? We're struggling with that. We're going to look at something Paul wrote, and he's, he's really going to talk about a mental transformation that needs to take place. And again, this principle is good for all areas of life, all relationships. We're just going to make the application in marriage. In fact, he isn't applying it to marriage in this case. Now, Paul wrote a lot of, a lot of what we call the New Testament, the last part of the Bible. This is the part about Jesus and after Jesus uh, was resurrected. And he started, he, he hated G, Jesus followers and he became a Jesus follower and, and he started churches and he would write, write letters to these churches. And probably the, the, the most powerful, maybe one of the longest is a, a letter he wrote to Rome, a church in Rome. And it's fascinating. Most of his letters are like half theology and half application. Well, Romans has got 16 chapters. The first 11 chapters is all this amazing theology. It's just, you need to read it. It really explains a lot about our relationship with God and how we got where we are and, and uh, human nature and our sin nature, all that stuff. So we're going to pick it up where he transitions from the theological stuff to the practical stuff. And to me, it's just fa fascinating. So it's Romans chapter 12. We're just going to look at two verses, verse 1 and verse 2. And so he's, he, he's writing to Jesus' followers, and he addresses them this way. Dear brothers and sisters. Then he uses the word, I plead with you. Some translations say, I beg you. This is as strong a word as you can put in, in, in your language. He is begging, he is pleading with these folks to do this. We're going to find out what he's pleading them to do. He said, I'm pleading with you to give your bodies to God. Now, notice he doesn't say your spirit to God or your soul to God, your body to God, because that's what you, could, what you truly give, right? Because of all he has done for you. So why should I do that? Why should I give myself to God? Well, because of all he's done for you. What, what has he done for me? What has he done for you? What has he done for everyone? Well, he loved us enough, us screw-ups here on earth, mankind. He loved us enough to send his only son to earth, to suffer, and die. The greatest act of love the world's ever seen, right? That's what he's done. He said, okay, <laughs> this is just a simple act of gratitude, right? This is kind of like the lowest set, place you can set the bar. This is the least we should do, right? If God, Jesus, suffered and died for us, then we ought to, as we're going to see, live for him. So he says, let them, let our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. Now, the thing about living sacrifices is this. You can crawl off the altar. Right? And then we do that, don't we? Oh, God, I, I'm sold out to you right now. And then something, for some, whatever reason, somewhere down the line, we change our minds. We crawl off the altar. And this is what Paul is pleading for us to do. <laughs> to give our lives as a living 
sacrifice, holy sacrifice. Now, another place in the Bible talks about to obey is better than sacrifice. But this sacrifice is in obedience, right? The only way you do that is by being obedient. And then he says, this is the kind that he, meaning God, will find acceptable. Now, what is the only way that you and I are acceptable to God? <laughs> it's just through Jesus, right? I can't undo my mistakes, but the blood of Jesus covers my mistakes. I can be forgiven for my mistakes because of Jesus. So I am acceptable. only way I'm acceptable to God is through Jesus. This is true way to worship him. And then in verse 2, he gets to the principle that we're going to apply and we apply to all relationships. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Okay, there's, there's a way that most people live, but we're going to live differently. All right? There's a better way to live. That's what he's going to teach us. So there's a better way. You can act like everybody else. You can talk to your friends and get their advice. Uh, but no, 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 no. We, we're going to live a better way, a higher way, a more powerful way, a more beneficial way. So he says, but there's an option. Not do what everybody else does, but let God transform you. Now, if, I'm not going to use a lot of Greek on you folks, but that, that word there is passive, meaning you don't do it, it's done for you or to you. And the way it's worded in English, you can kind of get that sense, right? Let God transform you. I'm not transforming me. God's transforming. Forming me. Now I need to cooperate with him and I have to do something and he's going to tell us what we need to do. But God is the, is the motivation. God is the power source. So let God transform you. So you've got God to, to uh, submit to God in this area. Transform you into a new person. Now how is he going to do that? Well here's how it and this is the principle, by changing the way you think. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can work on this yourself. But as a Jesus follower, we get God's help to actually help us change the way you think. You can change the way you think even if you're not. And all of us have done this. So you can be something new, better. Maybe better is a better word. <laughs> uh, something new. And this means your thoughts, this means your attitudes which we're going to see affect your emotions and then he said then you will learn God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect which means this will be the best version of you and then we stop and think I want to be the best version of me I certainly want to be the best version of me for my spouse so how do you change your marriage by changing the way you think uh, now change your marriage by changing your mind. So I'm going to give you four kind of things to do, steps to take, whatever. Because the way you think affects the way you feel. If I think my wife loves me, I'm going to be happy. If I think my wife doesn't love me, I'm not going to be happy. So the thinking causes my feelings. So acknowledge relationship realities. All right? We're not talking about just ignoring your spouse's shortcomings. Acknowledge relationship realities. And the biggest reality is this. You are a sinner married to another sinner. Mess ups. If you don't like the word sin, you know, mess up. A uh, good way to look at it is anything that's self-destructive. And when we are 
um, not thinking wisely, we are being destructive to ourselves and to our spouse, right? And to our marriage, to our family. But this is hard because we're both sinners. We're both mess up. Um, and the only way we can overcome that, or the best way we can overcome that, is through Jesus Christ, of course. And we're not alone. All of us are that. Nobody here has married the perfect person. I married a couple yesterday. Uh, neither one of them were perfect. And they would admit that, and you would admit that. So we're not, not, there's no perfect marriages out there. None of us are alone in this situation. So what do you do? Well, this is the reality. This is the situation. What do you do? Well, let's focus in on that thinking thing. Eliminate negative thinking. Eliminate negative thinking. Now, you and I have conversations all day long. We talk to our spouse, talk to our kids, we talk to people at church, we talk to people at work, we talk to strangers sometimes. What's the most important conversation you have all day long? It's your conversation, well, probably God first, but second most important would be your conversation with yourself. Because you talk to yourself all day long, don't you? Just, you have these thoughts going through your mind all day long. Some of them are positive, some of them are negative, all kinds of thoughts. We have all kinds of thoughts. We call it self-talk. So self-talk is, outside of our conversation with God, the most important conversation you have. And so, whatever you're thinking, and anything can trigger it. You can think of some past thing your spouse had done. You can think of something they did recently, or just immediately Uh, Well, my wife's late. She didn't call me. I know she has a cell phone. She could have called. She didn't call. I can start my negative thinking right there. So eliminate negative thinking. Uh, Next, change your mind by getting the facts. Now, it's interesting. Uh, We've got four children. Our two oldest boys were born 20 months apart. And... uh, they didn't always get along, believe that or not. Josh and Micah, they didn't always get along. <laughs> in fact, it got so bad at one point, we, they were in a share, sharing a room. <clears throat> we put tape down the middle of the room. <laughs> Said, you stay on that side. <laughs> you stay on that side. Even in our little uh, escort station wagon, uh, there was this design in the back seat, and we called that No Boys Land, that little area in the middle. Neither boy was supposed to be in there, which means that boy was on that side and that boy was that side. So, kids are out playing, the boys are out playing, they come, one of them comes in and he starts telling you this story, right? You know, my brother did this, my brother did that, and as a parent, when you hear their story, you're, you're ready to do what? You know, to discipline that other child until the other child comes in and tells his story. And then you're, <laughs> you're ready to discipline the first child because he, he lied to you. Well, it's really not he didn't lie to you. His perspective is different, right? The the details he gave you are different. Where's the truth? It's somewhere in the middle, right? The Bible even talks about you you can be convinced by this person until you you, you hear the next person's argument. So it's really important to get, for a better word, honest facts, non-biased facts, right? So I get the facts. What is... True, you know, I might feel like my spouse doesn't love me. I might feel like I married the right, wrong person. But, but why am I feeling that way? Why am I thinking this? What are the facts? Because those are, those are emotions. So it's easy to build a case for either side. So then once you've got the facts, unbiased, 
truthful facts, then lastly, you act on that, act on that truth. And this is a principle we learned when we were in our 13th year of marriage and we got to the place where we didn't like each other and she was ready to leave me and we decided, what are we going to do? So we went to counseling. You know, I've been a pastor for 12 years at this point. I figured I could fix my own marriage, right? I couldn't. So we went to a marriage counselor. And as we were going through this marriage counseling, I said, this guy doesn't know anything, anything more than I do, all right? So uh, he, he, he did this. He said, okay. Here's what I want you to do. He called them caring day exercises. He said, I want you to go, well, first in our session, he would say, all right, uh, in my case, Deb, you pick out something you would like your husband to do for you, Alan, to do for you uh, each day, something that he can know, something small, something he could do that he knows he did, did it or not do, know. So we can, next week we can check, did he do this every day? And she might say, well, I want him to, you know, Give me a kiss and say he loves me when he leaves the house every morning, all right? Um, okay, that's something I can judge, I can gauge, I can, yes, I did that, no, I didn't do that. Same thing with me. Oh, he'd say, Alan, give Deb something to do every day, all right? So, I don't know, <laughs> fun about, make the bed every day. That's really isn't what I would ask her to do. <laughs> but anyway, I, I make the bed every day. So, every day, we see if the bed is made. All right, so we do this for a week. Nothing's really happening, but we're, you know, at this point, we're trying, just do, we're both firstborns driven, we're going to do whatever somebody tells us to do until it doesn't work, so we're going to try it. So the second week, we, we did our assignment the first week. We come back the second week. Okay, so let's add another caring day exercise to this. So we picked out something else our spouse could do, and we did that for another week. So we're doing two things the second week. Come back the third week. Let's add a third one. So the third week, we're doing three of these things. I don't know exactly when, but I'm just guessing. About, about the fourth week, guess what? I did not not like my wife anymore. I started to like her again. She started to like me again. Here's the principle. Way more easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into ac- action. Because I can't make myself like my wife. I can't. I can't make myself have that feeling. But I can do things and she can do things to change my feeling by acting in a loving way. Right? It's a simple principle. It's a, 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 a powerful principle. It really works. It really worked great for us. We use it when we counsel other couples. Um, so, it could, be, uh, you know, it could be anything. You know, to take out the trash, you know, Pick up your dirty clothes, put them in a, you know, clean out the dishwasher. The list is endless. The point is this. Whatever the, the caring days things are, they're things you can do, right? We could do those things. You can do those things. Anybody can do those things. I can clean out the dishwasher every day. I can do that. So this isn't rocket science. <laughs> this is something you can do. And part of the problem with marriage problems is Lack of hope, right? I just don't believe it can get better. But I can believe I can do these things. And again, what happens is the feelings change. The feelings you had when you got married come back, and now after, after 40-some years, uh, they're better than ever. So here's our expression again. Love is an emotion. 
Emotions change. You can change them. You can affect them. Your spouse can affect them. But love itself is a decision. So the most important thing for all of us to do is make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we're going to encourage you to do that this morning. As we say, it makes you better at life and makes your life better. But you can do these things without Jesus. They'll still work. They're good principles, spiritual principles. They'll still work. And then secondly, be committed, as, as, as I said last week, I'm 100% to that person you're married to. So that means you're going to do whatever it takes. If you can't figure this out, if you can't work this out, get help. Come to a pastor, go to a marriage counselor, get help. You got bad physical health, you go to a doctor, you got bad teeth, you go to a dentist, you got a bad car, you go to a mechanic, you got a bad relationship, go get help. Even if you think you married the wrong person, I'll guarantee you, if you implement this principle, you'll love them more than ever. We're going to have a prayer. We're going to have another song, and then we're going to let you go. So let's pray. Thank you, God. I thank you for this principle. It's just, just, just amazing. That, and we are kind of passive in this thing. Uh, we need to cooperate with you, but but you're the one that's going to transform us. This word is the same word for the butterfly, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That's the amazing transformation. Uh, God, I pray for couples here. I don't know where they are in their relationship. I pray for people that, that aren't married, that this principle would become part of their life even now uh, and into their marriage. And then again, we'll pray, f- pray for anyone that's not Jesus, Father. We just we'd, we'd plead with you that you would do that. This is the best thing you can do for your life. It's the best thing you can do for your relationships is enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.